Welcome back to Crossing the Jordan, everybody. I pray that you are all doing wonderful, and thank you so much for joining us back again today as we continue our topic of Salvation Series 18. This is episode 18. We've covered a lot of ground on salvation. Um, we went about over the gospel, what is God doing on the cross, um, right order, the uh, personal invitation. We talked about grace and faith and how we're saved and judged purely by love. We talked about our consciences, that it it can accuse or excuse. We talked about heaven. We talked about hell. We talked about purgatory. And then we talked about, uh, are you saved? The threefold uh, answer that is straight out of the Bible and the Catholic answer. I was saved. I am being saved. And I hope to be saved. So we've covered a lot of ground. And when I was actually thinking about just this series of salvation, so many topics come to mind because I'm like, wow, this whole this whole this whole podcast is about Jesus. So yeah, his name means God saves. So his whole work, the whole his whole person is salvation. <laughs> so we could talk about basically everything. But I do have, you know, an end to this series, but it we will probably be in here until probably like episode thirty, probably. <laughs> but anyhow, so today, um, based on like where we've been, I think it makes sense to now talk about free will, predestination, and the sovereignty of God. So let's get right into it. So there's, uh, let's actually, we're, I'm going to read this, the scripture verses that explicitly talk about free will and predestination. Two of them in the New Testament, free will, 2 Corinthians 8, 3 is being the first one that says, St. Paul says, for they gave according to their names, as I can testify and beyond their means of their own free will. So he's talking about people giving freely out of their own free will. St. Paul again in Philemon in uh, verse 14 And St. Paul says this, But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own free will. So St. Paul clearly referencing uh, them being um, freely and giving freely and doing good works freely and not out of just some compulsion or, uh, you know, being forced to do something, right? So let's get into predestination. Predestination, the Greek word, I'm going to destroy it, but it's called like prurizo. And that's used six times in the New Testament. Um, And it's not always translated directly as predestination. We're going to hear some like decreed or destined. So that word, though, is used six times. And so the first one being in Acts 4.28. And this is when uh, Peter was actually in prison. So the believers started praying. And starting in verse uh, 27... Uh, this is what they're praying. They say, For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So they're praying to God and saying what happened in this city to Jesus was predestined. Romans eight twenty nine through 30 St. Paul says, For those whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. St. Paul in 1 Corinthians 2.7, he says, We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glorification. St. Paul again, twice in Ephesians, starting in verse 1 and verse 5, he says, He, God, destined us, in love to be his sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. And then Ephesians 1.12, St. Paul says, We who first hoped in Christ have been destined and appointed to live for the praise of his glory. So with that being the framework, free will and and predestination, and by the way, that free will scripture verses, that's just when it's explicitly said free will. So St. Paul's acknowledging people have free will. 
but the entire framework of scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, Jesus's commands, the 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 apostles commands, all those things imply that people have free will because they're telling us to do something. It would be a very weird hypothetical thing that like, oh, we already know what you're going to do, but we're telling you what to do. So it wouldn't make any sense to have commands where we couldn't freely choose for them or against them. And uh, just it's out of our nature and our experience. Everybody can experience like, oh, I really am craving pizza right now, but I don't have to get it. I I choose all the time not to get stuff that I really want, right? Uh, Like we have passions, desires, likes, and um, tastes and everything like that. Oh, I'm craving something. Or I really want this LaCroix that's in the, but I just want to, you know what? I'm going to be disciplined and just get this glass of water. I can, we can, I can freely stand up right now. I can freely go lay down. I can do whatever I want. I have full control um, and I can move. So I even the thoughts that I have, I can control my action. Like my thought doesn't move me to do something. My thought proposes something and then I go, I can choose to do it, right? So scripture, scripture versus explicitly, scripture uh, implicitly um, and our very nature and experience goes against the fact that every single thing is predetermined. But so anyhow, so scripture itself uh, shows free will. So what do people believe about predestination? So one extreme, so I'm going to go on the two extremes here. The one extreme is that predestination doesn't exist, but clearly uh, scripture talks about it, so it does. And the, uh, the far other extreme is that some people, believe, some people believe that every single action, choice, every single happening, God determined them and created them. So um, some people even go far as to say that even those who go to hell and those who go to heaven, God made that happen. Like, because they say God is sovereign, um, which that is completely misused in that context. That God predetermines and every single thing that we do, we have no free will. We have no choice in it. God is just doing it. Um, And because he creates uh, everything, right? So even those who go to hell and heaven, but that is extremely arbitrary and a very scary thing for any Christian you should be scared about and for any single person in the world. No, we have free will. So, so where's the church stands? Well, as always, the Catholic church uh, and scripture is right in the middle. We have free will as scripture says, and there is predestination as scripture says, but there are parameters that go, that are set, um, by the church of being too far, right, about predestination. So, uh, and actually the church gives theologians a whole lot of uh, flexibility in however you want to believe predestination works, but really the only parameter is, is to say that you have no free will and that God uh, predestines people to hell. So those are really the two restrictions that the church sets forth and scripture sets forth, um, is that you don't have free will, or God is sent, is directly sending people to hell. So this brings up God's nature and his direct and permissive will. So let's talk about God's nature. So God's nature, we know from just basic philosophy that he is all-powerful, all-knowing. He is the he is reality itself, he's goodness itself and all of those things. And what when we say when like God is outside of time, what does that mean? Well, time is a creation of God. So we are in time, but God is not. God sees everything. Like he's not going uh, tomorrow and going to be surprised that something happens, right? He sees his whole creation all at once from beginning to end. He sees all of human history, but he's in the etern- what is called the eternal now. He sees everything all at one time, but he's present to this very moment. He's present right now. So he's present in the eternal now. So he sees outside of time. So he sees 
every single action. He sees our he sees where we end up, heaven and hell. We he sees, he knows the very end of everything. In other words, his creation, his history, his story is known to him all from beginning to end. He, there's nothing that happens outside of him knowing. But also that takes into account all of our free will. And actually, this is even more sovereign than people who say the sovereignty of God. Therefore, every single thing that uh, happens is his will. Well, this gets us into his direct and his permissive will. We know God's direct will. So he is perfectly good. So every single thing that is bad is a, is a, um, an absence of goodness, right? So it's not, it's an absence of his goodness. So we know that God does not create evil. Um, so his creation is good. We know his salvific, uh, his salvific plan in the all of salvation history by choosing Adam and Eve and the Jewish people and all the covenants made and and finally in Jesus Christ the fullness the new and eternal covenant and in his Catholic Church that he founded that's the fullness of truth that he wills all of us every single person to be a member of. That is his direct will, that people would be saved, that people would believe. that Those are his direct will. His permissive will means that nothing happens outside of his will, even uh, even bad choices that people make. He allows things to happen. So anything that we come across, we know, like this, we can say this is God's will, even when it's bad, but we don't mean it that it's his, his direct will. So for example, death. Death came in through sin, through our free will, we uh, we sinned, we disobeyed God, and not just disobeyed like he's some tyrant or ruler. It it was something that we distrusted God and we reached for something that he already gave us. We were already sons of God uh, in Adam and Eve, right? We were already sons, we were already walking in communion with him, but we didn't but they didn't trust him. And so uh original sin came in which we will have an episode on, but it leads to this broken world that we live in and people sin and that fullness of sin leads to death, as scripture says, but also right in scripture and wisdom, it says God did not create death. So we know that death is not God's direct plan. He does not delight in the destruction of the living, the very next verse says in wisdom. So we know death is his permissive will. Things that happen in this world, is the, the brokenness, the bad choices, the evils in this world, it's his permissive will. Why does he let it happen? Because he can bring good out of every single bad situation, even if we can't see it. And we see the answer right in the cross. The most evil thing that has ever happened is that God himself was crucified by his creatures. The all-eternal God was crucified by his creatures, and yet it's the most, uh, the greatest act that's ever happened because it brings salvation to every single person. So that's his direct verse permissive will. So when scripture talks about predestination, it's specifically talking about uh, God's chosen will that people would be saved in Jesus Christ. It's it's being predestined in Christ, God's work of salvation that he planned from all eternity. It's not like he decided in the year 2000, oh, you know what? Now I should send Jesus. He sees his story all uh, at one time. And, th- and part of his story was this direct will, this direct sending of the eternal son of God to take on human flesh, to raise up humanity, to be an offering um, so that we could be justified and sanctified and glorified, forgiven, redeemed, and fully healed and restored. So that's his direct plan and work. So in other words, his direct will, his predestined will, was how and who we would be saved by, by Jesus Christ and how we'd be saved by faith and love in him. So that is how he predestined us and to walk in those works that he, he gave us as we read in those scripture verses. But it was not about our 
free decisions, our choices, our actions being predestined. And it's definitely not about who's going to hell. God predestines no one to hell. We know that he, he desires every single person that we pass to be saved. Let's just read off a couple scripture verses. First John 2, 2. He is expiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So what Jesus did, he didn't just do for a few, which is going to be another episode too, because some people do believe that he it was for the whole world. Every single thing, when he took on human, took on human flesh, that alone right there, his entire life is salvific. So every, every single person in the entire world, because it's an eternal offering, right? So anybody in the entire universe, the whole universe could be redeemed. First Timothy 2, 3 through 6. Uh, St. Paul says, God, our Savior, desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. There is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. 2 Peter 3.9, God is forbearing toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So we see God predestines no one to hell and Jesus himself goes after the one sheep out of the 99. Why? Because he wants all the 100. In fact, right after Jesus is talking about that parable of the lost sheep, he says in Matthew 18, 14, So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. So Jesus, his God, his whole predestined will is to save his, to save through Jesus Christ and that offer of salvation is through everybody. And Jesus lays out his direct will beautifully in Matthew 25 when he's talking about the judgment of the nations, when he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And he's going to say to the sheep on his right, Come, O blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So from the foundation of the world, his predestined plan was to bring people into the kingdom through the blood of Jesus, through fullness of grace of Jesus Christ. So that's his direct will. And there are people on the left, those are goats, and that he he knows them, but he is not the one that sent them there. He is the one that judges perfectly and rightly and justly, and they are the ones that rejected him. So God's direct will is to save us by Jesus, and His that's his predestined will, his direct will. But will we re- accept it or reject it? He sends nobody to hell. We are the ones that choose hell. We are the ones that choose to willingly, rejectfully, and unrepentantly reject the good, the truth, the beautiful, God himself, the, who is all loving. So we choose hell, not God. And go back to listen to our episode on eternal hell. And he doesn't predestine. He doesn't make us do um, things because, and why is that? Why? Because sometimes like as a Christian, like broken flesh and everything, sometimes I am like, Jesus, just take over my will. Please just do me, like have me do exactly what you want without any of my choice. But that is a robot and not love. God is love, right? And so that means that he gives us free will because his love, if his love is because he is love, that's also a free will of him, right? It's not like he's just a robot either. No, we are persons with free will. This is one of the greatest gifts that God has given us. And uh, we get to respond. We have to act. We have to decide. So, um, and when we mentioned earlier too, when people go to all the way to the extreme that like every single thing that happens, even the bad stuff, death itself and those who go to hell are predestined by God. We have no choice. Well, one, that's scary and it's contrary to scripture, but also the they a lot of times think, well, God is sovereign. No, God is even more sovereign because there's free will. Why? Because God, how's that, what's harder and more difficult to work out a plan by having other people participate in it or just doing it yourself? Doing it yourself is, is way easier, but 
it's even more sovereign, it's even more powerful that you can work out a plan even with other people's free will and free choices that are contrary to your plan. Now that's sovereignty. So God is sovereign. Why? Because nothing happens outside of his will, his direct will and his permissive will, and he works good for all those who love him. And so he works good even out of evil. So he is um, sovereign because everything is in his hands and he also gave us free will that is in the story and part of his sovereignty, part of his plan. Even the evil that we see in the world that is contrary to his will, he doesn't positively will it, will it, but he allows it to happen. Some direct and beautiful examples in scripture about uh, the sovereignty of God and how his direct will and his permissive will work together. Um, and this is a thing, a theme in the Old Testament where the Israel, the chosen people of God were struggling and trying to fi- figure out like, does God create and do all these things, even if they're bad and horrible. So there's a lot of language like that is like that. But there's also language that kind of uh, conflict with that about how he allows it to happen. And his his steadfast love is actually for the good for his people. And even if he allows bad, such as the exile, it's only to bring the, his people back. Um, so even in the exile through when it's all the prophets telling Judah who or was in Babylon and telling Israel who was uh, in exile in Assyria, it was chastising them because he allowed this bad to happen in order to call them back to himself to see what happens when um, when we disobey the Lord, when we directly reject him and his plan, it all falls apart just naturally. When we reject God, who is perfect good, we re- reject the goodness itself, bad things come. So um, it's just pure logic. But it's always to bring about a greater good. So just some direct, uh, beautiful examples. Joseph in the Old Testament. This is uh, Joseph who is one of the 12 and he is sold off as a slave by his own brothers into uh, Egypt. And it's there in Egypt where he becomes like the second-hand man to Pharaoh and the whole kingdom. So in Egypt, he's a he's an Israelite. He's a Hebrew in uh, a foreign land. But then this foreign land is the only place that has an abundance to give to the people who are in famine. So his brothers then come, not knowing that it's Joseph, and they ask for bread from him and all these good things. And he knows that it's his brothers. And then once they f- find out, they bring their dad, Israel, Jacob, they bring his dad to see Joseph in Egypt, who's a secondhand man, right, uh, of basically the kingdom of the world at this time. And so they realize this and they're repentant, they're sorrowful, they're sad that they would do this um, to their brother. And this is what Joseph says in Genesis 50, verse 20. He's comforting them. He says, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should should be kept alive as they are today. So here we see Joseph realizing like this horrible thing that happened, it's against God's will, but God uses it to bring about a greater good. So his direct will was precisely to save his uh, the people of Israel, the people of Jacob, the, the 12 kingdoms, right? Through the person that they sold off into slavery. And this is a beautiful, obviously a beautiful um, uh, type of Christ in us, his people. And another great example is when Moses was trying to get Pharaoh to release all the Israelites to release from slavery and Pharaoh wouldn't, wouldn't budge, right? And in two different places, it says, one, one part it says, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And then the other place it says, Pharaoh hardened Pharaoh's heart. So 
we see here the even the the chosen people are trying to still figure out this time, right? So because they did not, they had partial revelation. They did not have the fullness of revelation in Jesus. So they're still trying to figure out how God acts in the world. So is it God that hardened Pharaoh's heart or was it Pharaoh that hardened his heart? Well, we know now in the fullness of time that God in a way willed his heart to be hardened because he allowed it to happen. But Pharaoh is the one who hardened his own heart and chose, freely chose to not let the Israelites go. And a third example in the Old Testament that's so beautiful is the Lamentations of Jeremiah. So this is right after the book of this, the largest book of the Bible in Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is preaching to Judah before and during the exile um, to Babylon. And it's a it's a pretty tough, uh, you know, word that the that the prophet is giving to to his people, like warning them, like, this is going to happen. And they were like, no, no, we want to hear good things. But he's telling them bad things are going to happen because we've rejected God. And, uh, but in Lamentations 3, verses 31 through 33, this is another beautiful example of God's permissive will and his direct will. Jeremiah says, for the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not willingly afflict or grieve the sons of men. So even the things that he allows to happen, like the exile of the Israelites or the tough things that happen in our life, he does not willingly afflict or grieve the sons of men. But why does he do that? He chastise, he, he prunes us. He disciplines us to actually be more and more uh, the people that he's called us to be. So it's only to bring us back. So he allows the tough things to happen. He allows suffering to happen. He allows um, all these afflictions, these these things that really test us, but really just for us to become more like him, to have a pure intention, to have a pure heart, to be more like Jesus, who, though he was a son, found obedience through what he suffered. So, and we're going to talk, we're going to have a whole episode about suffering, but but God uh, does not willingly afflict us. But in this broken world, he allows things to happen so that we can be raised up into the image of his beloved son to be perfectly divinized, to be godlike, to be participating in perfect self-giving love regardless of the circumstances in this broken world. And of course, lastly, we have to come into the fullness of time talking about, again, this we're talking about the sovereignty of God, of his permissive and his direct will, and how our free will participates in that. So God, in the fullness of time, when it came time for his direct will of salvation to send Jesus Christ into the world, the, the eternal second person of the blessed trinity to take on human flesh, he comes to a little teenager, a little Jewish girl named Mary, and asks her, like, will you do this? And without her, yes, this doesn't happen. She freely chooses to say, behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. So she freely chooses. God asks her to, to accept. And this is a, and she says yes, right? So this is the beautiful example of God's predestined plan. So we actually say, um, like when we say the, I think it's Ave Maria, that she was predestined for Christ by eternal decree. God willed you both virgin and mother to be. So we see here, like Mary was predestined by God to be the mother of God, the mother of the the second person of the Blessed Trinity. 
but only by her free will. So he foresaw in his plan that she would say yes. So he offers her this this plan of his, and she freely says yes. So it's his predestination. It's his direct will. It's uh, Mary's free response, her free will to say yes. And this is the sovereignty of God. And that's the same thing when when we th- think about evangelizing, praying for the sick, or our own salvation. He gave us free will to respond and to be active, to make decisions, to make a step forward. Like one of Jesus' parables about the talents to make a decision to actually invest what God has given us. God has given us gifts to be used so that we can build up the kingdom of God to bring a return on God's investment in us, right? And so he gave us free will to not just hold on to it or be afraid, but to go out and to work to participate in the very salvation of Jesus's plan for the entire creation. And this is actually a beautiful verse about evangelizing and salvation and about predestination and free will. This is what St. Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So in Jesus Christ, his direct will, God prepared beforehand, his predestination will in Jesus Christ, that uh, we are his workmanship to participate. And then what he says, that we should walk in them. So we have a free will choice to walk in the gifts that Christ Jesus, that God has predestined us to be in so that we may also be participating in the very uh, in the very sonship of Jesus Christ to be justified, to be glorified, as Romans says. So when we go out and we pass people, and when we are in our daily lives, we have a free will choice to be abandoned to the providence of God right here and now to see every single thing according to his will, that nothing is outside of his will. He is sovereign and we can step into uh, into the salvation, into those good works that Christ Jesus prepared before us be- beforehand. Every single person that we pass, God desires salvation for that person. We don't have to guess, right? We're going to get into this later on. Did Jesus die for a few? We're going to talk about this in a different episode. But some Christians believe that, well, God predestined some to hell and some to heaven. So when we pass people, there might be people that we even offer salvation that are going to hell still. <laughs> no. It's very clear from Scripture and the mandate of Jesus Christ and and uh his very direct will is that when we're saved, we go out and save. We bring everybody to salvation. We go after the one lost sheep. We go after that uh, that person who is the lowliest, that we go after those people to bring them into the kingdom, that we would be light, leaven, and salt to the earth. So when we go out today, let's be abandoned to God's power, to his works, to we be attentive to his spirit, to listen and to be obedient to his His voice and to go out, to go out and to bring the gospel to every single person because God desires no one to be lost, but everybody come to the knowledge of the truth, to be set free, to be fully healed, to be redeemed, and that every single person would know the mercy and love of God that is offered to them so that they can freely respond with their full hearts to love, to be transformed by the great mercy and love of Jesus. 